Hey, this is Angus Cruikshank, and you're listening to the Future Sickos Podcast. Hey, this is Brennan from the Future Sickos Podcast. I enjoy watching hockey, but I also enjoy winning money watching hockey. If you would like to have the chance of winning thousands of dollars every week, Sign up for DraftKings account using promo code THPN. <laughs> you did such a good job with that video. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> I want to welcome everybody to this episode, episode number nine of the Future Sickos podcast. I'm Nick. This is Derek. And we're joined by Jared Brown from Draft Pro Hockey. He's the head scout over there. And since we're a few days away from the NHL entry draft, we figured we'd have you on, Jared, and we're super excited to get going with you because uh, I think we're gearing up for the draft and we have a lot of questions to touch on. Um, a few things about the Sens, obviously, and uh, yeah, so it's good to have you. And um, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, it's, I'm doing good. Definitely been a weird year, but excited that uh, we were able to... Uh, get everything prepared and have another NHL draft. No, uh, no issues because, you know, you never know with uh, what happened and what went on this year. Yeah. Well, I think one of our questions for you coming up is, is, you know, the whole COVID ordeal and how that's going for scouting. Um, I think Derek's going to touch on that, but I'd love to just, you know, if you can start us off and just let us know in our viewers, what you guys do at draft pro and, and sort of what you guys offered. Cause I, I did purchase your, your, your draft guide and I had a lot of information from that. So if you would just like to introduce people to what, what you guys do over there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we're, we are an independent scouting service that offers, you know, uh, intel and information on the upcoming NHL draft uh, for any fan, any uh, follower who likes to follow it and, and know a little bit more in-depth detail on who their uh, team may draft, uh, whether it's in the first round or seventh round. You know, we cover it all the way through. Um, we have a, a team around 10 to 15 scouts and we cover all regions uh, across the globe. Um, you know, we try and have at least one scout that's in every uh, region and we're constantly building our team. Um, you know, we're a recent startup not, not too long ago. We're going to be heading into our fourth season at Draft Pro. Um, so, um, and we're, uh, you know, and so we're just like uh, every other, um, I would say, scouting service like Future Considerations, ISS Hockey, Hockey yeah. Prospect, you know, all of them. We're, you know, we, uh, we share the same, you know, drive. All of us are... Um, wanting to give the uh, the best information and uh you know give fans a little uh, detail so uh it's really it <laughs> <laughs> i mean there, there's not much to it but it, it does sound interesting and i always aspire yeah. to um do what you guys do and i love prospects so i know how time consuming it can be um so good on you for doing that because i think you know we need more people covering the sport and especially with younger uh generation and the coming up um there's so much demand i feel like and it's it's always good to have uh different opinions out there so um yeah i i loved your ranking and i i loved how organized it was and i i really do recommend it to anybody who who really wants to purchase it for their own research or whatnot and uh i'll definitely link it link it down after the episode for people who are interested because it was a it was a good read for sure yeah no i appreciate it I really do um uh, you know we we put in a lot of time and effort to prepare this as we do every year and uh, i think 
more so this year uh we wanted to uh one up ourselves from from last year's guide as you want to do with with everything in life right you want to be you know become better and learn from maybe what you've already done and and try and produce you know better content whatever it is uh with whatever you do right it's the same thing with uh with you guys i'm sure you guys want to get to the top uh, as the, the best podcast right and you know <laughs> that that that's us we want to be the uh, the go-to independent scouting service that uh people come to so uh, no, I appreciate the uh, the words there, and uh, you know we're we're really happy to publish this and and give uh, our followers um, you know the the draft guide uh, ahead of time. And now as uh, you know approaches here on Friday, we're really excited to see uh, how right or how wrong we are with our uh, <laughs> our rankings. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always fair. fun, always fun, Jared. Um, last week we had on Sens GM Pierre Dorian. Um, he went on to say that, uh, you know, just how difficult it was from a scouting perspective uh, this year more than any. Um, can you sort of speak to that, just how difficult it was, maybe from rounds three and above for you guys? Because um, in a year like this, with the pandemic going on, just those limited opportunities to see players that you would otherwise be able to see. Oh, it was incredibly hard, uh, you know, and especially, uh, you know, for like OHL kids and, and players getting drafted out of the OHL. Obviously, they were stripped of an entire season. And, uh, you know, guys like myself and, and Pierre Dorian and, and the Ottawa scouting staff didn't really get to see them, you know. And then you're you're forced to maybe go back and watch tape from them in their rookie season with their OHL teams. And then, you know, once you get to those games, well, guess what? They're, they're rookies. They're 16-year-olds. They're playing maybe four minutes at night on the fourth line you can't really tell it's kind of unfair to say well i'm not going to draft him because he only played four minutes i mean we we see it every year where the ohl uh you know a, a 16 year old will play four minutes fourth line minutes uh, and then next season he's playing in the top six because he's progressed mm -hmm. so we we unfortunately we weren't able to see that progression and, and it sucks and you know it's the way you know the world went everyone was in the same boat so you know we're all you know just uh, just scooping at random fish at this point, seeing who which one's going to turn into a big bass or which one is a little little minnow or something. You know, <laughs> like, you know, we don't know. Uh, you know, we do our best to evaluate um, based on what we have and the resources we have. So uh, it was really tough. I think um, you know, rounds three and above, like you said, it, it's going to be incredibly interesting to see who actually gets selected. Um, you know, for me and myself, it, I'm based out in, in Ontario, so I, I didn't get to step one foot into a uh, into a rink to scout a live game this year, and, and it, it, it sucks. I'll say, it, yeah. you know, for Santos. So, you know, I, I love going into the rinks, and nothing beats a live viewing. But I think also there's, you know, definitely an importance to video scouting, uh, and it, it's growing more and more in the NHL. I find. Um, and I think, you know, for myself, if I want to watch a Sweden player, I'm not going to spend a bunch of money to go jump on a plane and go scout in Sweden. I'm going to just pop open the computer and, and watch a video archive or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I did my best to try and get uh, a lot of viewings on guys who are ranked around three to seven. But it was tough because we also didn't have that many international tournaments to rely on, which yeah. is something that we're normally used to. Of those of those guys that you just mentioned, you know, ranked sort of rounds three to seven, um, players that we're not sort of familiar with, is there a standout for you? Is there a player that for you 
I know every scout kind of has their guy, right? But uh, what? who's the hidden gem for for you? I have a couple of them. Uh, one of them actually is uh, a name that doesn't get, if any, recognition, uh, recognition uh, especially since uh, he plays with uh, the Shattuck uh, St. Mary's program. And I'm not talking about Scott Morrow. I'm talking about uh, his <laughs> teammate, Mike, Michael Quinn. And uh, I actually really like him when I, you know, I see him play. I find that his game is very mature. It, you know, he shows a lot of poise. Uh, and one thing I love is his when he's defending, he doesn't look like he's in a panic. He's always keeping the uh, player in front of him, forcing them to the outside off the rush, keeping the stick out in front of him. He leans in and then he can apply the, you know, physical pressure. He's not overly physical, but, you know, he knows that if he gets the stick on puck and then he can, insert his body to get in and get in the way of the puck puck goes into the corner his deep partner come or his centerman comes and can fish it out there you go and now you go up the ice uh i really like him just for the maturity in his game and i think he you know was a guy that i i think would have uh no uh, problem adjusting to let's say the ushl level which is where you you know he may play let's say next year He's a guy that we had him ranked around the seventh round. I don't even know if he'll get drafted. Who knows, wow. you know, how other how other, other teams feel. But I actually, I really liked him. And the more I saw him play, you know, the more, you know, you, you go and watch Shattuck and you were looking for Scott Morrow pretty much. That mm-hmm. That's what every scout was looking at. And then I came away more, not, not more impressed because Scott Morrow's, you know, his own <laughs> player. He's a really <laughs> talented defenseman. But Michael Quinn, I, I came away with. I actually found that sometimes Quinn had more more uh, composure uh, than um, than Scott Morrow. You can see Scott Morrow can get a little frantic, get a little agitated in his game. Where Quinn, he always seemed like he was in control, and that's something I really like in a prospect. You know, as they, um, you know, if they're eligible for the NHL draft or wherever, however, whatever age they are, I just like seeing the composure and maturity in their game. That's awesome because I think, you know, as Sens fans, I, I know a few, myself included, uh, Scott Morrow's a name we tend to look forward to to maybe seeing on the draft board around where we're picking um, just because obviously he's a UND commit and uh, yeah. through through the past, I mean, it's been proven that this is like uh, picking out of there. But um, yeah, from yeah. what I've seen of Scott Morrow, I mean, he, he had a, tri- a terrific year and he was very much, you know, a highly touted guy and looks like he's going early in the second round. But just, just to, to say, I mean, um, you're going over there to see him and another guy grabs your eyes. So uh, that's really interesting. And I, I definitely will um, watch Michael Quinn because I, I don't know much about him. And um, mm-hmm. um, that's really interesting. And I, I know that recently, and especially in the last few years with USA Hockey, um, it's grown a ton. And I, I do expect to see a lot more growth coming up um, within the next mm-hmm. few years. So um, I, I love that. And um, yeah, so so thanks for that. That was really interesting. <laughs> No problem. And and I I should say also, it's probably a lock that Scott Morrow goes to Ottawa since he's a UND commit. I mean, I feel like that's where Ottawa's uh, farm team is now. Yeah, no, I I have my fingers crossed for that one. I've been trying to call it for for now, trying to tell all the boys, you have to believe me. Uh, Scott Morrow is going to be a senator. But um, no, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know if they keep their trend going, but it's for sure likely. And there's another one, Brent Johnson, as well, to to keep your eye on um, in the second round. And he, you know, he happens to be UND next year as well. And we do have two second round picks. So I'm I'm all in for the UND commit boys. And um, <laughs> we'll see how they go. Um, but 
I just want to touch on something. My next question for you, and um, that's analytics, because I think as a sense fan, um, analytics have been arguably, you know, the essence of all discussions and discourse we've had online, and especially now with the hire of Pierre Maguire, um, mm -hmm. it's it's certainly been a hot topic. I think on on Twitter for sure. Um, so I'm curious to know, as a scout, like, do you tend to value certain aspects of analytics and like how seriously um, do you rely on it when it comes to making your scouting reports? I don't rely on it too much, actually. Um, I, I look at analytics a little more after the the scouting report and the, the final evaluation of maybe a player. Um, you know, I think it's important that you don't look past the importance of analytics. I think, you know, it's definitely a, a tool and um, something that we should all be using for sure. And I actually want to dive more into analytics uh, this upcoming season as a scout. I want to maybe have a little more influence in my, in uh, having analytics influence my reports or my, uh, my view of a player a little bit more, but I think, um, you know, there are there are some stats that definitely I will look at already, you know, sometimes, especially when you're evaluating a shooter or, you know, someone who's, uh, you know, maybe he scored 40 goals in the uh, in the OHL or whatever. It's like, well, that's a lot of goals. Well, you know, it's important to look at where those goals came from, where his shots are coming from. Um, you know, is he going hard to the net? Is he, you know, a Brendan Gallagher type of goal scorer where it's all at the home plate? Uh, is he shooting a lot from range? And in doing so, does that mean that he has a, a shot that's, you know, he keeps in his arsenal that can that can beat past goalies, whether with accuracy or with power? Then you have to look at that, right? If he scored yeah. 10 to 15 goals from the faceoff circle, whether it's on the power play or even strength, you know, now let's look at how his shooting mechanics are. Does he work the upper stick as a lever? He pulls that top hand closer to his body to generate more downforce into that shot i mean like these are things you know analytics would tell me that okay he scored 10 goals from the faceoff circle but now i'm gonna actually go and look at how that shot is so um yeah i definitely i look at some analytical stats for sure uh when i'm uh, scouting a player but it, it's more of after uh the report or after um when i'm making an evaluation or or deciding should i rank this guy higher or not but but like i said uh, i think this upcoming season i want to use analytics a little bit more than uh, than i have mm. that's awesome jared um you sound like a details guy like i'm just curious uh <laughs> you know, what you make of Jake Sanderson, because he's a guy for us that uh, the Senators took last year really high up at fifth overall. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ask this question a lot, but uh, but I'm just curious what your impressions are of his game, because he's a, a real detail-oriented sort of player. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you're touching on a lot of the, you know, fundamental sort of details of the game. So maybe mm -hmm. you could speak to the Sanderson pick at fifth overall. Did you like that pick or? Well, I thought Drysdale should have been the pick. Um, you know, like I, I think Drysdale's got a lot of – he's got more higher upside than Sanderson. No, it's, and that's not a shot at Sanderson. I just think Drysdale's got the uh, maybe a little bit more offensive potential with the way he skates and the way he can command the offensive zone. Uh, but where I think Sanderson beats him in is, is uh, just the way he uh, – um, defends and a little bit more mobility in the way he defends where uh, he is not easy to beat, especially off the rush and in transition. I find Sanderson's got that extreme high-end mobility that uh, you would, you know, 
you're going to like in a defender uh, that can defend such a fast-paced game. And as we know, the game is just getting more fast-paced. Uh, I think, you know, much like uh, much like Drysdale, but I think I would tip the scales more to Sanderson that he is more composed, a little bit more poised in his uh, maneuvering along the ice. Uh, he's a lot more calculated, calculated like and like you said, detail-oriented. Uh, a lot more controlled in his decision-making. I find a little bit more uh, less risk in his game as Drysdale can give you a higher risk play. Maybe it turns into, you know, you know, a great play and, and you're looking at it and then you go, okay, well, why didn't we draft him? Well, then that, that happened once in, you know, every five tries where Sanderson's going to make, you know, the smart and uh, less risky play four to five times. And oh, that's yeah. probably the play that's going to give you most success, right? It's not going to result in a turnover at the line or whatever. You know, it depends. It can be anywhere along the ice. Uh, I think, you know, there, there wasn't really – it's not a bad pick at all because I think Sanderson's got the potential to be a top-pairing defenseman and he can play in any, you know, any situation. Think of maybe like a lesser Alex Petrangelo uh, where he, he's really, you know, relied upon. Uh, playing 26 minutes a night. I, I'd be surprised if Sanderson doesn't get to that point because he just seems like he's got a very uh, calming nature to him. Then he can, you know, lead by example, and he can also probably cater to playing with maybe a uh, a defender that's uh, a little bit more high risk. Uh, so it wasn't a bad pick at the time. I do think Drysdale was the better option because I just valued the, uh, the offensive upside a little bit more in Drysdale. But you know, I don't think Sanderson is anything to be uh, upset about with having. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Just because of my next question for you, who 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 would you pick at number five, Drysdale or Sanderson? Um, yeah. So thanks for answering that. But um, yeah, I, I do think Sanderson for us in terms of the Ottawa Senators and our, our roster of, and, you know, our cupboards of prospects, he he seems to be the guy I think would, would really give us a boost, especially defensively and how our pairings are really going to align in the future. Um, you mm -hmm. said he's a guy you could put up for 26, uh, 26 minutes a night. And um, what I think when you say that is that that's exactly what we need. We need to give less time to Shabbat and we need to give more time time to a defense uh, defenseman we can really rely on out there so yeah. um i'm i'm really excited for that and um you know I, I i love drysdale as well um i i loved what he did this year as well he didn't really have the best season um considering mm -hmm. the ohl um was not available this year but um i'm excited for both th uh, of these guys and it just speaks yeah. to how talented the young defensemen are nowadays and um it's the future and i, I think yeah, like you said, mobility is going to be the strongest. Um, it's going to be the biggest strength, I think, for a lot of guys, or at least it's going to have mm -hmm. to be um, in today's NHL. So, um, yeah, thanks okay. for touching on that. And I think a lot of Sense fans are, are happy to hear um, yeah. we still have a good pick and, in Sanderson. And I'll also add that, the, you know, with Sanderson is and with uh, Drysdale, they're both highly intelligent uh, defenders, but they use their intelligence in different ways. Whereas Drysdale is going to use his intelligence to really pick up the pace of the game and attack quickly. Where Sanderson, he's okay with being maybe a little bit calmer and drag you into making a mistake, you know, when he's defending, if that makes sense. You know, he's going to make you kind of, you know, 
think that Sanderson's going to go one way, but Sanderson goes the other way in terms of, you know, where his stick is going. He just can control the way uh, the the attacker is going to come, and it just makes him so hard to get by. And that's where I think intelligence is such a key proponent for any defender. And the way you use it can be used in different ways. And I think Sanderson is more of an intelligent defender, whereas, you know, you look at what Ottawa has. Ottawa has Thomas Shabbat. He's in a, I would say he's got he's an intelligent defender as well, but he's really intelligent with the offensive side of things. Whereas Sanderson, he's really good defensively, very very composed, and he can be a shutdown guy, which I think is, you know, would be very beneficial for Ottawa. Yeah, for sure. Well said. <laughs> Absolutely, um, Jared. Uh, this year the Sens are picking tenth overall. Um, Last year, there was sort of a distinct, a more distinct separation of talent tiers. I mean, we had the top three guys um, fairly close. And then after that, it was, you know, there was another sort of tier from four to like 12. Um, This year, it's a little bit more wide open, at least in our eyes. But I'm wondering if you could, um, you know, just explain that a little bit further. Like, do you see this year sort of, you know, Ottawa picking 10th overall could potentially get a player as good as the player that goes first overall this year? I, I don't think so, just because I think, Owen, for me, Owen Powers, the uh, consensus number one, I think it's not as uh, far apart as Lafreniere was last year. I think, you know, players like Eklund, Beniers, uh, Brant Clark, Luke Hughes, you know, you have four guys that are pretty close. But I, I think what Owen Power did at the World Hockey Championship with Team Canada solidified his spot as number one for me. I think, you know, he showed that, uh, he's got a really, you know, he's better actually offensively than I thought he was. Um, he's got more offensive potential. And then, you know, uh, defensively, I think that's where more where he needs work actually and, and being a little bit more physical. Um, I know there was an article that came out that uh, his, I think it was his coach, uh, University of Michigan, they needed to uh, dial down his physicality, which I actually find funny because it's like, well, maybe he dialed down a little too much because I still would like him to be a little physical, but yeah. that is still it's something good to read on, on a player who's obviously 6'5 or 6'6, whatever he is. And, and but I, I think Owen Power is so, uh, with, with the number 10 pick with the uh, with uh, the Sens, I, I think they could definitely get a player that's maybe a little bit closer than in previous years to what the number one overall pick value is. Um, but I, I'd still give the advantage to Owen Power. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, who they could get, uh, it, it is going to be very interesting come, you know, Friday because it has been an absolute, you know, crapshoot. <laughs> I mean, with with ranking these players and, uh, and where we have, you know, some of them, listed and and the amount of debates we've had you know i think uh the sends are going to benefit from any one player that that is ranked here um i don't think you're going to get a bad pick but it's in terms of who's going to be available at number 10 that i'm most excited for Mm. yeah well said i I mean i've seen so many different rankings that you know i don't think people really know who the sends are going to take because we've been talking about best player available and that ranges like you said Derek I mean probably seven guys um, and who knows they might go off the board so um, we really don't know this here and that's really interesting but um, one thing that I did notice when I did go through your um, 
you, your pro rankings is that you guys have um, Dylan Gunner um, ranked at number five, I think, on the mm -hmm. final ranking. And he's a player, again, I've seen, you know, slide from number two all the way to m number 14, maybe. Um, and I've watched him play, and I am a fan of a lot of things that he does um, on the ice. Um, but I do see a lot of holes in his game that I'm not too sure could really translate well in the NHL. Um, mm -hmm. So I just really want to know what your thoughts on Dylan Gunther, especially the year he had in the WHL, and uh, why ultimately you guys had him as the, the second best forward available in this draft. I think... You know, some of the he can bring a little more versatility than some other players, and you know, it, it was very close. I mean, you know, I, I uh, you know, we we went back and forth between Gunther and, and Eklund and uh, and Kent Johnson, who should be number five, even um, uh, blanking on his name, oh, uh, Lasell, uh, Fabian Lasell. After I, I thought he looked fantastic for Sweden at the World Under 18, I almost wanted to put him up to number five but um <laughs> you know I, I think you know with gunther is uh well, the, the thing i like about him most is i i really like his skating already i think there's a little bit of work to do but i actually i really like how explosive he can be in transition and i think that is important uh to, and, and to have that already is is really key now obviously scout uh skating is something you can work on even after you get drafted um but I, I like how smart uh, Gunther is, and I really liked, even though I thought his under-18 performance for Canada was average, I would say. He wasn't one of their top players or one of the players that, you know, he really stood out. Like, I thought Brennan Othman had a better tournament than Gunther, and he's someone who's ranked lower. So, obviously, you would have wanted, um, you know, Gunther to be a little bit higher or, or perform a little bit better. Uh, but I, I think he you know, gives you a lot of uh, versatility and intelligence in the way he plays in, in multiple, you know, kind of positions. Uh, you know, kind of, sometimes I've seen him play down the middle. It's not that often. He's he's more of a, a winger and a natural winger, and that's where he's going to be at best. Um, but I think he's also very, very smart offensively. He can really uh, siphon out those passing lanes and uh, get it, get the passes through the Royal Road with you know, uh, you know, just precision. And and his shot has also been you know yeah. a uh, a benefit or an asset to his game for for a while now. So I think his offensive ability is something to you know be looked at. But then I also think he's got a little bit more defensive upside than someone like uh like ken johnson and i don't mean he's going to be a selkie winner i just mean he's going to be someone that you can be relied upon uh to to play a little bit more in the defensive zone uh just the one area that he needs to clean up is his zone exits uh it's funny to say that because normally you would say that for a defenseman but uh, yeah. he can make some you know costly choices with the puck as he uh, exits the zone um, but I, I like his character too. And I think he, he brings a lot of energy in the way he plays. So that's why I, I would have him a little bit over um, some of the others, some of the other forwards. But uh, when I say it was very close, I mean, it was, you know, millimeters close between all these forwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. I think as fans, um, I know I do this, but every year I sort of enter each draft and I find a guy and I'm like, okay, that's my guy, this draft. Like that's the, you know, the one player that 
if you know if my team's stepping up to the podium i hope to hell they pick that guy um last year it was tim stutzla and i mean all the stars aligned and the senators ended up with stutzla this year my guy is you touched on him fabian lucell yeah we had him on our show um to me definitely at the u18s he stood out as a guy but uh, i want to know a your thoughts on fabian lucell but uh, but b do you have as a scout do you have a guy that you sort of look at and say, okay, like this is my guy that, uh, that, you know, I'm going to say, you know, this is going to be the best player in the draft. Yeah. Um, I have a guy, I don't think he will be the best player in the draft. I think he's more of a, he's a second rounder, uh, that I think, uh, you know, is going to get more recognition when he, you know, becomes one of the better picks actually in this draft. And that's uh, Wyatt, uh, Johnston, uh, playing out of Windsor, uh, and obviously he didn't play at all this year. But I, I think he, in his rookie season with Windsor, he started to play more a top six role before the year got canceled, and he looked really good inside that top six role for Windsor. I think he was actually meshing really well with playing with more skilled players, and his playmaking vision and, and his hockey IQ was coming more and more, uh, you know, uh, prevalent to it, to everyone, and the way he mm. can pass and make plays. Uh, you know, quickly. And then at the U18, you know, I thought he was a guy that went under the radar, but he was a player for Canada that did a lot for them. I think he played a full 200 foot game. He was always first back to help out the defenseman. Uh, he was always operating as a center lane option to, to quickly break the puck out. Um, I, I love his passing ability. I think his you know, one thing I like to look for in, in a player when I'm scouting them is how they pass uh, when pressure comes on them and, and if they can make that pass in tight. You know, just a small little bump pass along the board, small little bump pass to the middle to a teammate. I think that's very key for the NHL level because, as we know, the NHL level, you have no time and space to make a play. You can't hold on to yeah. it, and especially, especially as a young player coming into the league, you, you know, maybe you're not physically mature yet, you're going to get pushed off. If Shea Weber's coming at you, you're going to get pushed off the puck easily by him. So you need to be able to make that pass quickly in tight from the boards, maybe to your, your winger who's coming in, uh, swinging in to help out. And that's what I think why Johnson really does well is the fact that he's got that really uh, skilled in tight passing ability. You can get it through sticks, feet, whatever lane. So I, I, I think why Johnson, I would classify him as my favorite player in this draft. I don't think he's going to be the best player to come out of this draft, but um, I think he is, he, he would be my favorite and my guy where, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm in the war room uh, and, and, and he's available in the second round, I'm pounding my fist on the table saying, take this guy, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, okay. So it is safe to say then, um, the best player out of this draft is Fabian Lysel, right? I would say so. Yes. You know, I, I, Owen power, Owen power. Who? I'm not too sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and honestly, I, I think LaSalle uh, is one of the more entertaining forwards in this draft. Like he's one of the more, like when I watched him at the U18 for Sweden, he was pulling me out of my seat all, all the time. And at the same, and you know, I already had a book on LaSalle and I'm trying to watch the other Swedish players on the team and, and get a book on them. And here comes LaSalle just button hooking, like, like the flash and it, like he he's very very quick his footwork is impressive yeah. and i i think lasalle could be you know 
I don't know if you can classify a top 10 pick as a sleeper pick, but when you have a draft where, you know, he could end up going around seven to 10 or so, maybe he turns out to be, you know, let's redraft this draft five years from now. Maybe he's in the top five or top three. So, you know what? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll say, uh, you know, uh, he, he is the uh, best player available in this draft. Just don't <laughs> tell my director that. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Um, that's awesome. No, we, we love Fabian. I think um, all Sens fans know that's our consensus number 10 pick. But I, I, I know Derek has a question when it comes to to goalies, which is actually mm-hmm. very interesting as well. So would you like to touch on that, Derek? Yeah, so uh, you have Jesper Wallstadt as the 10th best player in this draft. Um, I just want to know sort of what's your philosophy on drafting a goalie in the top 10? Because I know some people won't even touch a goalie. And secondly, I just want to know where Jesper Wallstadt ranks in comparison to um, recent, you know, uh, number one goalies, Spencer Knight, Yaroslav Askarov. I just want your opinion on sort of where he is versus those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think I'd rank him number one over Spencer Knight and Askarov. And you know, uh, don't don't stop the uh, the show for this, but I even think uh, Seattle should take him at number two. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a big proponent in if the goalie shows the potential to be a franchise tag and give you a decade worth of you know wins, like Vasilevsky, like Price, like. Flurry, you know, we can name these goalies and we can look at where they went in the draft. They went in the first round. Some of them, obviously, Flurry first overall. Price went sixth, I think, or, or, you know, he went top 10, you know, and then look at their importance in the playoffs. I mean, I think that was something that I, I really realized with the, the playoffs this year was how many goalies were the starting goalies for the NHL teams and where they were drafted. I think when we got to the semifinals all four goalies were drafted in the first round and when we were in the quarterfinals i think it was only um two goalies were not drafted in the first round and one of them was connor hellebuck who is you know a vezina candidate almost every year which is crazy yeah so i I think the importance of having a goalie to to not only give you stability in the net during the regular season to but to be clutch down the stretch in a 16 you know to win you 16 games in the playoffs to win the cup i think it's so important so i i think you know the the whole notion of you don't need to draft a goalie in the first round or you don't need to draft a goalie you know that high or whatever i think it just needs to stop because i think at the end of the day it is the most important position in the nhl you need a goalie that's going to backstop you and steal you wins. Sometimes your team just doesn't have it in front of you. Sometimes they're sloppy. Their structure gets abandoned or, you know, they want to play shinny sometimes in the regular season because they just went out for drinks. You know, yeah. like sometimes your goalie needs to come out and, and steal you a game. So I think, you know, Wallstat can do that. I think he is a very, very calm, composed goalie. And this is someone who he is always – you know, been elevating his game to the point that, you know, when he was, he was like a triple underager making the team, uh, uh, team Sweden at the world juniors, maybe two years ago, he never got a game. He was a third string goalie, but I think it's important to note that that's how Sweden, their, their international scouting staff valued him. And the fact that he's played now 
or you know he he was he got maybe a couple games in the shl last uh, last year but this past year or two years ago i should say sorry but this past year he was you know uh, he was maybe not their starting goalie but he shared a role i think he played over 20 games in the shl against men so i think he's already proven that he's mature enough to to play against men and have success I don't see a lot of reasons why he can't have success in the NHL. I think just the 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 way he plays in the net and his his controlled uh, movements side to side is very Carey Price ish, uh, and he shows a lot of similarities like that. Uh, you know, obviously there's quirks in his game, but I think the potential is very very high for Wallstad. And and do you think there's any chance that he slides past Detroit, San Jose, like all the way to Ottawa at ten, or no chance in hell? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I, I don't think so because I, I've looked at the teams available in front of Ottawa and like you just named a, a three of them. I would say maybe almost every team in the top 10 could benefit from drafting Walsat. Maybe not Anaheim, who has John Gibson, but he's, you know, he's getting older and how much is he going to put up with, you know, losing in Anaheim? No offense, Anaheim fans, but, um, you know, like, you know, how long is he going to put up with that? Walsat could come in. He could take the reins from Gibson when he's done. Detroit, as we know, God knows they need a goalie. Buffalo needs a goalie, but I don't think that will happen. Um, like, yeah. every team needs a goalie in the top 10. And so if if Wallstat is available at number 10, uh, let's say LaSalle isn't, you know, available there. <laughs> uh, and let's say it's Wallstat. I, I would go with Wallstat if I'm Ottawa, but uh, I think it's it's unlikely. But, you know, we know that goalies don't go high in the draft, but we'll see if uh, <laughs> NHL teams are still feeling that way. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm on the Wallstead train and I would love, I, you know, I'd be very happy if the Suns grabbed him, but, um, <laughs> I think I roll, I, I rule out San Jose now with the pickup of Aiden Hill, but I do see Detroit yeah. as being a, a really big, um, you know, proponent to wanting a, a goalie of his caliber on their team. Mm -hmm. And they have Lucas Raymond now from last year. I wonder if, you know, the Swedish connection might, um, might just do it for Stevie Y, but I'm excited. Yeah. This, this draft is so interesting. And um, I haven't seen again, like one uh, ranking that's the same as someone else. So it's, it's like yeah. you said earlier, it's a crap shoot. I'm super <laughs> excited to see how it plays out. Um, I've got my own little rankings going and I'm praying to God mm -hmm. it's correct. But um, I think as a sense fan, Number 10, um, from what we've talked about today, I'm not too worried just because I know we'll end up with a decent player. Um, that's if they don't trade the pick. But, um, yeah, so I I'm super mm -hmm. pumped. And uh, I guess you guys are gearing up for, for the draft as well. And um, yeah. what's what's the next step for Draft Pro um, post-NHL draft? Focus on the 2022 draft. I think we're already uh, starting to <laughs> yeah. do that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's... You know, scouting never really stops, right? We'll take a, you know, maybe some of us will take a little bit of a break and, you know, enjoy our time with our families that everyone should, especially with uh, how the pandemic, uh, you know, affected us all. So, but uh, yeah, it's just, uh, we're going to focus on next year's draft, which is already shaping up to be a, a, a pretty dang good draft. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, better than this year. Um, and so, you know, get in early and, uh, you know, be prepared to, uh, smash the rankings and be be number one hopefully we are this year and hopefully we are next year 
Yeah, cheers to that. Well, um, I thank you a lot, Jared, and I will for sure um, keep up with the 2022 draft because I'm very excited for that one. Um, you know, it all depends how the Sens do next year, but I'll probably still be um, face first into draft ranking reports and, and reading those things. So I just really want to thank you for joining the show. Um, a lot of information in, in today's episode. So that was great. And um, yeah, I wish you well for, for the rest of the year, for sure. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Take Thanks care. Man. All righty. Well, it was a very good interview. And um, yeah, so, uh, you know, we could touch on a few things here. Um, obviously, very, very weird draft, I think. And, and that's the consensus we got from Jared. And um, I think we all feel that way. Um, so have you have you grown on the Wallstead potential pick at number 10? Because I know, and Brennan has told me this, that you're not necessarily a fan of it. But I hope that you've come to some sense of comfort just knowing that there is a chance he comes to Ottawa. Oh yeah. I've, uh, I've warmed up to it, Nick. And, uh, and, and the details um, that Jared just shared, I mean, it almost gets you excited. So um, I'm, I'm almost, you know, I'm not quite arrived to sort of where you guys were at. Cause you guys were on the Wallstead thing a long time ago. Um, yeah. And I was, I was the, you know, the guy don't draft a goalie in the first round guy. Um, honestly, that's, you know, that's been my philosophy, but this year's playoffs, I mean, exactly what Jared said there, right there in that interview, this year's playoffs has, have really sort of opened me up to the idea that, you know, it is beneficial to have a top goaltender. If you think that Jesper Wallstat is the best player available and Pierre Dorian even said this when he was on our show. I mean, if if you think he's a price or a Vasilevsky type goalie, you have to take him. But I mean, if he is a price or, you know, Vasilevsky, Marc-Andre Fleury type goaltender, he's probably going to be gone before 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be the case anyway. Um, but I, I do like to give credit to goalies. I don't think, you know, they get a, enough. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely for drafting goalies in the top 10. I know it's riskier, but it, especially in a draft like this, where um, he definitely seems like the the almost like the best prospect available, and I, I know Tony Ferrari said this. Um, Jesper Walsh is the is the best, most elite player in this year's draft, um, and it doesn't happen all the time where you come across have a chance to draft a guy like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, good points. Uh, <laughs> there's also S Sebastian Costa as well, who's supposed to go mm -hmm. in the first round, who's who's going to be a great goalie and is drawing a lot of comparison, I think, to Ben Bishop. He's six six or something like that at such a young age, and he moves really well too. So. Um, there's arguments that he's almost better than Wallstead, but um, I'm excited to see how it plays out for sure. Um, however, tomorrow we have the expansion draft, and I'd like to touch on that with you just because it's been a few hectic days on, on Sense Twitter and DNHL Twitter just in general. I mean, you've seen people really just go crazy. There's been some trades and, and potential moves now. Uh, most notably, speaking of a goalie, is Carey Price. So what's your thoughts on Carey Price, maybe potentially going to Seattle, and do you think it'll happen? Well, it's it's really interesting. I mean, what makes it interesting if you know if Montreal had sort of flaked out to the Leafs like they were supposed to this year, this wouldn't really even be a debate, right? I mean, Carey Price did not have numbers wise; he hasn't had a strong season in quite some time. But mm -hmm. 
it's the playoff play that really makes this thing interesting that, you know, Seattle's really going to have to sit down and, and think about it um, because you, you have a guy that just for the chaos, exactly. So we have a message <laughs> coming in. They need to take him just for the chaos. I mean, yep. it, you know, maximum level of chaos happened yesterday um, just with all the moves. But but back to Carey Price, he really is, you know, that sort of franchise goaltender and he's paid that way. But as a new franchise, I don't think you could tie up, you know, 10 plus million dollars in a goaltender. I think it kind of it puts you behind the eight ball a little bit cap wise. So I think as fun as it is for us to sit here and debate it realistically it's not going to happen i would be shocked if it actually happened um mm. you know what do you think nick do you think this is something that's actually going to happen uh i i, I don't uh, see my thought process when it comes to carry price is that when you're an expansion team it's it's really rare that you you have the opportunity to to really get a guy to be your franchise player right off the bat and i mean he he isn't who he used to be and that's fair but because of his Stanley Cup, you know, performance, I wonder if that really rises the stock um, in terms of Seattle, and and really makes them want to maybe try it out. But also, I, I think if you're Seattle, it's it's great for marketing. Like if you if you're your new team, you're trying to grow your team and trying to get more people into in, into watching you play. Um, just look at what Vegas did when they got Flurry. It was like a whole event for the weekend. I mean, they they got Flurry and he was wearing the jersey, starting around. I I I don't know if that'll be the case with Carey Price, um, but I do think it's great for their business. And um, I think yesterday it was confirmed that um, ownership actually gave the green light for um, their GM to go ahead and, and acquire and and pick Carey uh, Price in the expansion draft. So I mean, if if the owner himself or, or the group that they are aren't really worried about paying the 10 mil, if you're the GM and you're saying, oh, well, my team's willing to pay for this contract, I mean, hell yeah. I mean, great. And if he's on LTIR, I mean, that's relief for you during the season. Um, and if he plays, maybe he's a terrific goalie. So there's benefits there. And I think Seattle's got to think of, of a way to, to, to really try to, um, you know, perfect this expansion draft. And maybe, you know, the highlight from this might be taking Carey Price. But there's also the argument that, you know, Seattle could be upping their their ante and saying, hey, Montreal, um, what's it going to cost to not take Carey Price? I mean, maybe they might use their advantage and get a few picks from them. Um, so I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen because in the Vegas draft, we did see a few trades. Um, so I wonder how busy this one's going to be. And it's already been. So I'm expecting maximum chaos. I'm here for it. And uh, I'll be tuning in for sure. So I'm I'm all for Carey Price. And as a Sense fan, that makes me happy. Well, it makes me happy as a Sense fan if they chose Carey Price because I already know that they're looking at Chris Drieger, former yeah. Ottawa Senators goaltender. Um, and that makes the likelihood of Seattle picking a goaltender like Joey Decord, who will eventually have a one-way contract um, coming up next season. You know, it makes that likelihood pretty much none if they if they took price as well. Um, yeah. And potentially, you know, they could take someone like Dadanov off our hands or Chris Tierney. I don't know why they would want him, but <laughs> but <laughs> no, potentially. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, who do you think Seattle takes from the Senators? I think that's one of the burning questions. Do you think they go with Decord? Um, yeah, so I, this is really weird because I, I, I do think they may be 
um, left out Dadnov for the incentive, like, hey, don't don't touch our goalie. Here's a, a a good right winger to play on your team. And you know, people like to rip on the Dadnov contract. And maybe this year he didn't live up to his deal. Uh, but however, you know, uh, his past has has shown that this is actually sort of a cheap deal for the player that he could be. Um, yes, he was playing with Barkov and Huberto, and and that definitely you know <laughs> made him score the amount of goals he he scored. But he scored 13 goals this year. And I think that's on pace for, I'm not sure, like 20, 25, which is fairly good. I mean, he he was decent. So um, I wonder if Seattle really go out and and choose Dadnov just based off the fact that, you know, he they're scoring at, at, at a somewhat cheap deal for what he could be. And, you know, the term isn't long as well, which could be very, you know, promising. Um, it just depends because they've so many options in this year's um, expansion draft that I, I, I'm not sure what they choose to go with. Um, I, I think you could rule out Tierney at $4 million and who he is. I just don't think it makes sense uh, for Seattle. So for me, um, it, it really comes down to Dadnov and, and definitely Decord, but there's also Abramov, who they could mm -hmm. see as as an AHL promising player who has a lot of skill and could contribute in a few years. Which, as an expansion team, if they're going into you know more of the 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 cap floor type of team, um, he would be a great option for them in the future. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think Decord seems definitely promising. I just think there's better options out there, especially with the embarrassment of riches they have for goalies. And especially when you see Connor Ingram available as a young goal for Nashville, who's just a little younger than Joey Decord with better numbers, has played well in the AHL, AHL last uh, three years, two years. Um, I just don't see Decord being the option. So I, I settled on Dadnov, and I think that's just because of the potential and, and the term tied to him. Um, I think it would be good for Seattle. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they've got so many options. I, I'm breaking my neck just trying to figure it out on, on cap friendly. But um, yeah, we'll go with Dadnov. I like it. I like it. And if uh, let's say, for example, Seattle does take Dadnov, do you think the Senators hunt down Zach Hyman in the offseason? Like, do you think that's a potential <laughs> replacement? Yeah, well, I I would love it. Just just it would it would depend on the term. Again, I I've, I've heard reports that he's looking for a long term deal, and I don't think we're in a position to be just. I, and I, I honestly think they they might have learned that just based off Murray's performance last year. Um, you know, maybe to an extent, Colin White and Bobby Ryan in the past. Um, so I, I think that it might not be a fit for Hyman, and I'm sure there's a team out there that's willing to give him term. Um, maybe if they can convince him to come, you know, that that would be great because he is a terrific player. I do personally think. Um, I've seen comments out there. I want to see Kadri, Hyman, and Brown play together, make it happen. I'm all for it. I would love to see that again. Maximum chaos. F the Leafs, and <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> but um, I, I, I think there's better options. But um, my thought process is if they do lose Tierney, um, well, they'll probably hunt for a center first. If they do lose Dadnov, they might look for a right winger to fill that void. Or if they lose Decord, they might draft Wallstead. So um, I, I think there's, there's different scenarios this can play out. Um, but all I know is that they'll eventually um, bring a good player from UFA or from trades. There's still going to be trades. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like Hyman. I just don't think he's worth uh, the, the long-term attachment. 
All right. Speaking of trades, Nick, you touched on it before we go. Um, we got to address the rumor mill a little bit here. Uh, Ryan Strom from the New York Rangers. Reportedly, the Senators are kicking tires to uh, acquire this player. I I'm curious to see what your thoughts are in terms of price. You know, what what would it cost to get a player like Strom? He has a year left on his deal with a four and a half million dollar cap hit. Mm -hmm. He's a player that surprisingly. He's put up a lot of points in the last couple of seasons. He's scoring about 86% of the games that he's, he plays in. So at a, a, a 0.86 um, points per game, um, it, it's important to keep in mind that he's playing primarily with Panarin. Um, so, you know, there's some inflated numbers in there, but I'm really curious to see, you know, do you think he would be a fit in Ottawa? Where do you think he would fit in and how much is it going to cost the Senators to acquire a player like Strom? Yeah, that's a that's a great question because I, I have been seeing it online and I don't know how to quite place it yet. Um, I think it all depends as well on on how many teams are interested. I mean, you look at Nashville, they've exposed their top three centers, so they'll definitely be in the market for a centerman. Um, I mean, he's terrific. I mean, he he put up good offensive numbers and I mean, that's that's always great to see. But again, just based off Dadnov and his, you know, performance with Huberto and Barkov, I don't know um, how highly the sense think of him, but if they're trying to bring him in, I mean, it's because they do see a fit on this team. And I mean, you, you can't say that we don't have, you know, elite players for him to play with. I mean, you put him on a line with Stutzla and Batherson, um, that's as electric as it can get. And I think that would be great if he fit in on that second line, just because I haven't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, we've seen the right centerman for Stutzla yet. Guy who can really push the pace the same level he does. Um, you know, get on the scoring chances and, and, and set them up the way that um, other guys on our team have been doing. So I think Reinstrom would be really beneficial, I think. Um, also an older guy, so it's it's great for our younger players. It gives time to Pinto to to sort of develop. And, um, you know, he at least isolates uh, um, Josh Norris. I've seen the argument he's not the most defenseman center, uh, but defensive center, and I agree. Maybe that's a liability in some cases. But when you got, when you got guys like Josh Norris and Shane Pinto right after them, um, those are guys that can more than make up for the mistakes during games um, that – Ryan Strom could be giving out and you got guys like Brady Kachuk who isn't necessarily the most offensive guys Connor Brown who tends to be you know defense uh, defensively responsible so I'm all for it I think you know realistic deal would be uh maybe Angus Crookshank or or some someone on that level maybe um it depends what New York really is looking for I think kind of set on D from what I've seen they have a lot of D prospects and forward group is is pretty pretty high end too so maybe you know add a Joey Decord or, or Kevin Mendeley's in there as a goalie prospect to go behind Shesterkin um, but I think it would almost certainly take uh, um, a late first second round pick I think it depends on the on the need and how quickly a, a deal can be made but um, I think he'll still demand a pretty hefty price in return no, I, I agree with you. I think, well, A, we can't uh, we can't have Angus Crookshank because then we'd have to get a new recording for our show to, to right, start the right. broadcast off. So <laughs> yeah, rule that, that guy out completely. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I, I would be, 
you know, happy with acquiring a player like Ryan Strom. My only hesitation would be the follow up contract. You know, if he did have a really good season in Ottawa, yeah. suddenly you're looking at a 29 year old who would probably be looking at more of a long term stay to bring him well into his 30s. And that contract and that dollar value could really sort of, um, I guess, hurt the potential contracts down the road of some of the younger guys. So I think for the short term, I think it would work. And if you're bringing a guy like that in for the short term, then you have to look at the price and you have to make sure if you're only looking at bringing uh, Ryan Stroman for the season and then flipping him or keeping him for the remainder of the season and the playoffs, if they happen to make the playoffs, you, you really have to be careful what you're paying. You know, you, yep. you can't overpay. You have to pay, you know, like you said, maybe a couple of sort of mid tier level prospects, but you can't throw anything super substantial at it if you don't plan on re-upping his contract. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i in the same boat as you. I think they need to bring in a center for the short term. Just looking internally, I mean, you, you, you Ridley Gregg won't be uh, a long time until he's breaking, you know, people's backs on the lineup. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we need a long-term center. Depends. I mean, if you can go out and get a guy like Jack Eichel somewhat, I mean, Cool. I mean, that's a guy I would love to see long term again. But I think internally you have to take a, a real good look and look at what you have and um, and make those uh, those decisions accordingly. So it'll be a quite exciting time. And um, yeah, so we've got the expansion draft coming up tomorrow. We also have our draft coverage coming up in a few days. So we're going to be pretty busy and I'm, I'm really excited to uh, see how it all plays out. And hopefully the sends are active because that's more content for us. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. It gives us something to talk about during the hot months of the summer. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're approaching the uh, full hour, so we'll probably end it here. Um, I would just like to thank everybody for tuning in. It was a great episode, and it was a nice talk with Jared. It was nice to finally talk prospects, and we're, we're near the draft. So um, I hope everybody's excited, and uh, we've got more coming for you. So please tune in. Thanks, everyone.